Well, Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for our night here and God, time to pray for one another. Lord, we want to pray, God, that just all the things, Lord, that have been expressed, and even those that haven't been, God, would be just laid at your feet. God, uh, again, knowing that you are on the throne and, and God, your arm is, is not short. Um, again, bless our Bible study right now. Lord, uh, the rest of our evening here, just take away distractions, God, whether it's just, uh, Lord, weariness from the day or thoughts, Lord, uh, worries about tomorrow. We want to pray, God, that you refresh us right now, that your word would be rightly divided, and God, that you would uh, really just be glorified, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you want to turn there in the scriptures, Those meals are getting better and better back there. People are going to start thinking this is a restaurant. <laughs> it's like every Wednesday I see some people, they come, they get their meals, and they leave. It's like, wait, that's okay to eat a but that's not the, that's not the point. <laughs> the last time we had, uh, and next Wednesday is carne asada burritos. So you might want to, you might want to get your ticket filled early. But the last time we did that, I, I came walking up, we were doing something, and so I came, it was about 6, 10 or so, and there was a family of like six or eight people on one of those uh, tables out there. I've never seen them before in my life. They, I saw them finish up, they threw their trash away, they left. I've never seen them since then. <laughs> I thought, well, they were blessed, you know, you know. Maybe we, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we might see him next Wednesday. So maybe they went home and watched on YouTube or something. I don't know, Facebook or something. So, but it is carne asada next week. Also next week, uh, we're showing a, a film. We're showing a new Living Waters film, a new Ray Comfort film called Seven Reasons. And um, it's, it's seven reasons, and there's so many more, but, but seven reasons why... Uh, you know, uh, the Lord would have you not to abort your child. And I think it's very uh, timely and, and uh, you know, and in, 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 in all that's going on in our country. Boy, you talk about a, a hot topic. And it's important as Christians that we stand in truth and we can absolutely defend truth. And we can counsel people too. You know, uh, it, it shouldn't be a, an issue that we approach uh, with anger or with... Uh, you know, venom or that type of thing, but we got to be bold. And that might be even mean that, uh, you know, we could call some names and whatnot, but we got to be compassionate and caring and, you know, rejoice that, that we have a God who forgives and restores and, you know, um, absolutely uh, uh, heals, uh, but he's a, the giver of life. So this film next week, really, uh, it's, it's very fresh. It just came out and uh, basically, it's kind of the typical Ray Comfort format where he interviews people and uh, asks them questions, and you see all these people's minds change as uh, they're presented with the truths. And it's, it's seven, seven equipping truths even help equip you because you might be in the place where you have to counsel somebody. And uh, we want to be able to do that. And I know I've had, and I give God the glory, the blessings over the years to, to counsel a lot of people 
who were considering abortion. And a lot of them that, that heeded that counsel. And there's some to this day, they still thank me. And they still bring their kid and, and they'll still remind me. And, uh, you know, just because just they heard truth. And they needed someone to stand and go, no, this is what's right. And uh, they needed that assurance. And that, that's where so many people even are. And that assurance that this is what's right. This is life. And, and God's going to provide for you. God's going to go before you. And, uh, you know, God's going to be faithful. And uh, watching him do that. And so, uh, anyway, that's going to be next week. We're also going to give a free booklet away for everyone who comes out that has those seven reasons in it. And uh, we'll have some copies of it available, too, if you want to pick one up. Uh, tomorrow... Uh, all church prayer at noon in the church office you're welcome to come join us we'll make sure to get everything and then vacation bible school i have a few announcements for that if if any of you guys are helping with that or still want to help it's june again 17th to the 21st uh this saturday if, if you're wanting to help uh this saturday from 10 a.m to 5 p.m or i'm sure you can come any time during those hours uh, right over at the office, they're going to have a decoration day where they're just working on the sets and building things and so forth. And so if you'd like to come out and help with that, that's from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. this Saturday. And then uh, June, Friday, June 7th, they are in June 8th, they're going to be setting things up in the church. So that's not this Friday and Saturday, but the next Friday and Saturday. And that will be in the bulletin uh, this week. So if you don't, for, if you forget that, and then Sunday the 9th, it's a week from this Sunday. If everyone who's helping after second service, they're going to have a meeting for all VBS and they're going to provide lunch and it might be pastrami sandwiches. So, <laughs> so if, if you do, if you still want to help and you haven't signed up, you got to get on that because if you have not served in children's ministry before, you do have to do a background check. And we're, we're getting right at the end of, of people being able to do that. I guess you still could perhaps uh, volunteer to come clean up afterwards or help set up or tear down before. So there'd still be some areas there. But if you want to come in and work with the kids, it's, it's uh, no exceptions. You got to do the background check and so forth. So, uh, so get on that if that's on you or, or uh, call Katie or call down here or talk to her tonight. So let's get into God's word. Deuteronomy 8. Again, <clears throat> continuation of of the lord equipping uh that that second generation to go into the promised land and he's been giving them reminders um pretty soon here he's going to really start getting into the reiteration of the law with even more detail and tonight we'll see in chapter eight and lord willing even chapter nine uh him giving them encouragements and warnings at the same time and encouraging them to be careful to absorb to observe God's word so it will go well with them so he'll, he even says that you may live and multiply and when he's talking about living here he's not talking about just surviving not not just living but having a life in the Lord and he also warns them that um, you know when they get in there to remember everything that God's brought them through God's provision for them in the midst of you know, great trials out in the wilderness. Um, he, he, he then encourages them when they get into the new land and they're blessed not to forget that the blessings are from God, not to begin to think, well, I did this by my own hand, uh, to remember that. And then in the next chapter, it's kind of along the same lines of remembering again 
uh, God's faithfulness and remembering the righteousness of God versus getting caught up in self-righteousness. Starting to think, hey, we're here because we're, you know, righteous in ourselves. Self-righteousness is not biblical at all. Our righteousness is in Christ and Christ Christ alone. And our righteousness outside of Christ is as filthy rags. And so let's get into this. Uh, Let's start by reading the first uh, three verses. And and we'll just make our way down through our text tonight. And hopefully leave here blessed and just uh, changed for his glory. It says, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you should remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That should sound familiar if you're familiar with the Gospels. We'll get to that in a second. But notice how he starts. He says, every command which I command you, be careful to observe. Every command. He doesn't say, you know what, well, this is the deal. We're going to give all these commands. You know, we're going to give 613 commands. I think that's all of the law there. And what you got to do, you go in and you pick out five, your 500 you pick out the 500 that you like, and listen, you do those 500, and then the other 113, we're just going to let those slide. So you can, you know what, you can mix and match from the different categories. doesn't say that, does it? He says, every command which I command you. It's not pick and choose. It's not, you know, as it's been said before, some people practice salad bar Christianity, where they go through, you know, with the sneeze guard, and they want a little bit of this, and they want a little bit of that. No, he says, every command. All of God's words inspired. This was all for their good. It was for all, all for God's glory. We got to remember that today because there's a lot of people, again, they pick and choose when it comes to God's word. And some people say, well, I don't believe all the Bible's inspired. Only parts of it are. Well, what parts? And you find out it's those 500 parts that they like. And these are the parts that aren't inspired because they don't jive with my lifestyle or my thought and so forth. It doesn't work that way. God's given us his full counsel And he wants us to, again, heed all of it. In fact, he says, be careful to observe it. Uh, It's no small matter. This is a huge matter. There's a lot of things that we are very careful with in life. Things we have to monitor, things we have to look after and so forth. But there's, listen, nothing more important than your soul. And you want to be watching your soul and, and, you know what, uh, observing your life and so forth. Not in a manner where you get so overwhelmed that your eyes are just on your shortcomings and failures. That's a recipe for depression and disaster. But you absolutely want to be observing what's really going on in your life. And then you know what you do with that day after day? You take it to Jesus and you bring it to the Lord. And yet the Lord nail it to the cross and you get up and you move forward in him and you rejoice in him and so forth. And listen, you know you're washed and you know you're forgiven. Part of victory of having over part part of having victory over sin, you know, is knowing that it's been forgiven, knowing you've been set free from it. You know, a lot of times people are struggling with sin and then they come and they say, Lord, forgive me, and God forgives them, but they still carry the yoke of it. And when you do that, oftentimes it still has the power over you over you. 
and you kind of identify yourself as a certain way or so forth of that certain category and you got to just receive that forgiveness of God and know it's been washed and so I want to get up and move forward in him and it's one of the ways the bondages absolutely get broken so he says be careful so what so that you can live and multiply and go and possess the land of which your father of which the Lord swore to your fathers he says be careful to observe this not so that Again, you have a horrible life, but so that you can abound, so you can have life and life abundant. Uh, you can multiply. Again, for, for them, it was that multiplication of, of the seed, knowing that the promise of the Savior was coming and go into that land of milk and honey. And again, for us, when we are walking with the Lord and abiding in Him, boy, there's life found there. And apart from Him, indeed, we can do nothing, but in Him, we bear much fruit. And then again, again, we see this word come up a lot in these chapters. He says, remember uh, that the Lord led you those 40 years and he did it to humble you. Again, they were, they were full of pride in a way in the, in, in, in the wilderness. They should have been humble the way God delivered them out of Egypt. And then he wanted to go into Canaan and they didn't walk with humility because if they were humble, they would have said, we can't do this, but God can. Instead, they said, we have to do this and we can't. And so the Lord, in part, humbled them out there in the wilderness. He says he even allowed them to be hunger, uh, to be hungry so that he could feed them so that they would know God. And they would know we don't live by bread alone. And man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So he's telling them, listen, remember those trials. Remember what the Lord taught you. Remember what he showed you. Remember what he brought you through. And remember how God was faithful to his word. And indeed, he was at every single turn, time and time again. And of course, we know Jesus, when he was you know, tempted in the wilderness, after fasting for 40 days, Satan came along and said, why don't you turn those stones into bread? And some people say, why didn't the Lord just do that? If he can do that, how's that sinful? It was sinful because the Father hadn't commanded him to do that. And eating bread is fine as long as it's your bread. But listen, if it's obtained in a way that's not godly, now something that could be good isn't good. And then the Lord answers, Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And it's one of those many places where Jesus quotes the book of Deuteronomy. And it's good that we know where that comes from. Verse four, he says, your garments did not wear out, nor did your foot swell those 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. And so, again, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the tribulation, God was blessing them. God was ministering to them. Again, he humbled them. He was showing him their faithfulness. He showed them his faithfulness in big ways, at times with, you know what, bitter waters being turned sweet and throwing in the tree or speaking or hitting a rock and water coming out, miracles like manna day in and day out. And then other miracles that probably day in and day out might not seem like a miracle, but when you go 40 years with the same pair of shoes, that's called a miracle. I mean, incredible that their foot didn't swell. Their shoes did not wear out. I mean, I've seen, and isn't it awesome when you walk with the Lord, you get to see this kind of stuff. You just see the faithfulness of God. It's funny, we're talking about uh, the the flooring in in the foyer we've been talking about painting out there and, and putting some new flooring in 
And the first, one of the first things I did when I became the pastor here, one of the first things we did is we remodeled the foyer because it had the ugliest, like, 70s, like, nasty brownish-orange carpet you've ever seen in your life that looked like it had, like, 800 carpets or coffee stains on it. And I, I remember the colors are so bad, I just blocked it, you know? I can't even remember because I blocked it out. And it had the grape stenciling across the top that was real, like, popular in the 80s. And then it had the tiles and these lights. It was like, it was like walking into a cave. And we didn't have glass doors or windows then, so it was even all, like, you walked in, you're like, okay, is this a cult? And it's like, well, this used to be a Mormon church, so you're kind of, you know. And we went in there, and we remodeled, we put that flooring in. And that flooring is like a buck a square foot. And I remember we read it, it was like, I got a 10-year warranty. That tile's been in there for 20 years. I don't know, to me, that's kind of a miracle. And they're like, 10 years, you'd be lucky if you get five. There's been a lot of feet that have walked on that tile. You know, the Lord provides our needs. And sometimes he provides by bringing something new. And sometimes he provides by allowing other things just to continue on. And then sometimes we get to the place, every place we're like, I just want it to break so I can go buy a new one. Every once in a while that happens too. But, you know, he, he blesses us like that. And I, I think a lot of times we don't, we, we don't acknowledge those blessings and we should. How about, you know, even... Even our bodies, day in and day out. And, you know, and in his perfect time, we'll go to be with him. But he's amazing like that. He also, again, he, he, he humbled them. He provided for them. He um, uh, showed them the faithfulness of his word. And then he also chastened them. He says, you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his own son, so the Lord chastens you. And I don't have the time to read it, but if you read Hebrews 12, again, this is alluded to. It's quoted here where, again, the writer of Hebrews is talking to them about the woodshed. And to know, listen, when God corrects you, it's a picture of his love for you. It's a picture of his grace. It's a picture of him being your heavenly father as a man corrects his own son. So your father in heaven corrects you. And if you don't get that correction, then you're illegitimate. That's a horrific thing if you profess to be a Christian and you go full bore into sin and there's not conviction, there's not correction there from the hand of God. Now, oftentimes sin itself has its own ramifications that aren't good for anybody if it's played out long enough. But he's encouraging them that, again, he's been faithful to them to chasten them. And again, this is building them up to remember where they've been and then where they're going that they would continue to walk in the truth of God's word. And we need to do the same thing. Verse six, he says, therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of figs, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing a land whose stones are iron and uh, out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord, your, the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. So verse six, he says, therefore, with all this, seeing God's all faithfulness before, seeing that he's given you his word to bless you so that you can live, so that you could abound, taking all this in consideration, he says, therefore, listen, Keep his commandments. Walk in his ways. 
fear him and bless him. That should be our response. That, that that's, that's should be, you know what, part of the reason we worship God. We bless God because he's God and he's good to us and all that he's provided for us. I don't get when people say, I just don't feel like worshiping. Then you need to step back and start remembering. When you don't feel like worshiping, it's time to start remembering. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, I was a sinner damned to hell. And oh yeah, Jesus shed his blood for me at the cross of Calvary, was spat on, took the wrath of the Father upon him for me, resurrected from the dead. That should be a pick-me-up to the Spirit. That should bring a hallelujah or a amen or thank you, Jesus. And then from there, how he began just to work in my life. And he even sustained me before then. And he works in my life. And he provided me a pastrami sandwich tonight. I mean, God is so good. And, and there's so many people, they running around, they don't want to worship God. And even people angry at God. And I have a right to be bitter and all this nonsense. Listen, we deserve hell. We're sinners that fall short of God's glory to the uttermost yet he sent his son again to die for us and and then it even says he restores what the locusts have eaten and if you get in joel even talks about restoring what the locusts have eaten and him leaving leaving a gift behind that's how awesome he is so we got to remember that in our day-to-day living put the lord before us and remember him when that call to worship comes verse 11 beware so now he gives a warning he says therefore now he says beware a warning that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. And we need to hear this. How do we know we're forgetting God? We start forgetting God's word. Because there's a lot of people running around. They're like, oh, I'm spiritual. I remember God every day. But they don't keep his commandments, nor do they even desire to. And they're lying to themselves when they think they're mindful of God. Being mindful of God is seen when, again, we're walking in a statutes. And part of walking in a statutes is casting our cares upon him, confessing sin. I mean, it, it, it's, it's not this, uh, you know, the, the, this, this deal that uh, is to yoke us down so we can't move. It's having relationship with him, real fellowship with him in light of the word of God. And these are the areas we got to be careful to be truthful in ourselves with. If you say, oh, I remember God. I've got a great relationship with God. Oh, but his word, his commandments. Yeah, yeah, you know, those, I, I, I pick the ones that I like. You're fooling yourself then. You're remembering the God you have made up, not the God of the word. And last time I checked, that's breaking the first commandment. Verse 12, he says, lest when you have eaten are full and have built uh, beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who has brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through this great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and a thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of flinty rocks, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you uh, to you to do uh, you good in the end. Again, he tested them. Those trials were to do them good. He says, then you will say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And listen, it happens, doesn't it? It happens. I've seen it so much, so many times happen with, and I, I don't know anyone's hearts, but I've seen people over the years just 
have a, a devastated life and come to the Lord and cry out to God and you see God start to shape them and mold them and you know when you walk with the Lord there's a lot of practical blessings that come with that when, when you don't lie like bosses have a tendency to like you more and when you don't pilfer and you show up on time and so forth and then they start getting their life restored and then they start getting blessing and multiply and so forth and then the next thing you know they forget the Lord they, they forget God and, and, and they begin to drift. And he says, beware that you don't do that. He says, beware you don't come to the place where you say in your heart, my power, the might of my hand, have gave me this wealth. There's that famous clip, and it's probably a meme now, where Bart Simpson prays, and he says, why should we thank you, God? We're the ones that earned the money for all this food, something like that. He forgot. God gave you the power to do that. God gave us the intellect to run a business or invent something or, you know what, to uh, manage a company or to have a trade or whatever else to get up. And boy, he's the God that gives and he got, he's the God that takes away and we better remember that because the truth of the matter is all that we have. You get this, all that we have, it hangs on a thread and it could be cut tonight. Go read Ecclesiastes. It talks about remembering the Lord before the silver cord is loose. That's the idea of it all just hanging on a thread. And you know what's good when it's hanging on a thread? You know what's good when you have the assurance that you're built on the rock of Christ. Amen. That's where we need to be found. 18 through 20, and we'll move to the next chapter. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. And boy, that's just the truth of the matter. And boy, there are a lot of wealthy people that mock god and they act like you know what uh you know they're they're like nebuchadnezzar remember him there in the book of daniel and he even has a dream about this great tree being chopped down and daniel says to him listen that's you god's giving you all this power and you better watch yourself you better give him praise otherwise you're going to get chopped down and it's like a year later he, he forgot a year later and he's out there up there on his you know rooftop and he's like and oh look at me and look what all that i've done this is in that instant he became like a wild beast and he went out for seven years and was like a like a i think it says he was like a cow with with eagles feathers or chicken feathers like all matted up and so forth and at the end of that time he came you know came back to his mind and listen, he was even blessed in that because normally in those days, if a king started to, to waver a little bit, the next in line, you should go out and kill him. So they probably said, oh, dad's crazy. Just let him out there. And oh, you pet dad today and whatnot. And, and, but God was faithful to him. And he came and he came out and he acknowledged and he said, listen, let it be known the God of Daniel is the, the God of gods and the king of kings. And... Uh, there needs to be an acknowledgement of that. Boy, there's such a lack of it. It says, he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so shall you perish because 
you would, be, you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. So at the beginning, he says, listen, obey me so you can live. But if you don't, if you shun me for other gods, if you forget, you're going to perish like these nations that are being judged. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, they're being judged, and you're seeing this all happen before you. They've seen God deliver them out of Egypt. They've seen God sustain them in the wilderness. They're about to see God bring them into the promised land. They're about to see God give them victory and judgment upon these nations that shun them. And yet over and over again, he says, be careful, beware, watch your heart, remember. You know why he says that over and over again? Because we have a tendency to forget. And we're not careful, we're careless. And we take these things lightly. And we gotta remember. That's why we gotta put them before us every day. That's why in Hebrews it says, give more earnest heard to the things you have heard, lest you drift. We should be giving a more earnest heard to uh, heed, uh, more earnestly heeding God's word every single day. Are you heeding it more? Are you giving more earnest heed to God's word now than you were last year or the year before or five years ago? You look around the landscape of Christianism and boy, there's so many people, they don't even hardly acknowledge God's word. Bible study is kind of just something that's, you know, forgot. Dangerous place to be. I got to drink a water before we start chapter 9. That salty sandwich. I got that sandwich in the back of my mind. Can you tell that? You get that recipe. Did you have mustard with that sandwich? Oh my goodness. We're in danger. This place is going to be a restaurant. <laughs> All right, let's start in chapter 9 here. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go and dispose and to dispose nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakim whom you know and of whom you heard it said who can stand against the descendants of Anak. So again, here, listen, to obey, he's calling to, obe- to, obe- to obedience and to obey, but that starts by hearing and wanting to hear. You can't obey unless you hear. So he says here, when you go over the Jordan, again, they're going from the east of the Jordan to the west. Uh, you can find the Jordan River on the map today and you can see where they were, where they were going. And he says, as you go into day, and the word day in, in scripture, you can always define it by the context, whether it's 24 hour period of time or a time in general. And this is speaking of a time in general. In, in this time, in this season, in this day, they were about to go in. And so he goes, go, you're going to go in and you're going to dispose of these nations. They're greater than you. They're mightier than you. They're more fortified than you. They're fortified up to heaven. Uh, they are feared. And listen, that's, that's the enemy over us outside of Jesus Christ. We're, we're no match for the enemy of our soul. We're no match for our flesh. We're no match for the world. In fact, he's talking about the descendants of Anak. Anak means to strangle. And outside of Christ, the enemy has a stranglehold. But he says when you go in, again, you're going to dispose of them, which means to utterly destroy them. And we're going to see the reasons were, again, for judgment as well. Remember, Anak was a, 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 a giant. 
And in Deuteronomy 2 and 3, we went in a lot of detail about all of that. And, and saw part of the reason why, why, you know, that seed was being distorted by fallen angels was trying to snuff out the promise of the Messiah. So you're going to go in there and you're going to utterly destroy them. And here's the thing. We have a, an enemy that's greater than us. He's mightier than us. He's more fortified than us and so forth. And outside of Christ, we should be fearful. But in Christ, uh, as it says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And uh, we got to remember that. Because there's a lot of times when, again, the enemy loves to stir up that fear factor and, and uh, get us in that place where we think that we're just locked in and we can't overcome things. But God wants to give the victory. And that's why we got to look to him and lean on him. And we already have the victory in Christ through his death and resurrection. It's a matter now of walking in it. Verse 3 says, Therefore understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes before you as a consuming fire. And he will destroy them and bring them down before you. You shall drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said to you. So it says you need to understand how this is going to work. God's going to go before you like a consuming fire we saw some consuming fires we've been seeing a lot of consuming fires in our state i mean these fires that just go in and they just devastate that's nothing next to the hand of god and he says i'm going to go destroy them these enemies like a a a fire that just consumes everything i'm going to bring them down and then all you have to do is drive them out all you got to do is the mop-up work I'm going to do the main work, and then I'm going to give you the privilege by faith. It's kind of like when the dad takes his little boy to work, you know, to the construction job. I'm going to do the work, and then you're going, to, you're going to hand me tools, and you get to be part of it. And you need to go out and do the mop-up work, and if you do that, again, you're going to see him completely driven out. We read the story of David and Goliath, and, you know, we marvel, and, and it's worthy to be marveled at, but David got that he was just doing mop-up work. No one else got that. King Saul didn't get that. None of the soldiers got that. They were trembling in their boots and their knees were knocking at every thread of Goliath. And David just showed up. And the difference between him and them is he had God's word in his heart. He understood that, again, God was a consuming fire. And it was God's will to drive them out of that land. And he just went and did mop-up duty. He got some stones and so forth. And he didn't say, I got this sling and I'm going to take you out. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And God just went right before him and everyone probably went, huh, well, why didn't I do that? Well, uh, he's not even in the army. What in the world here? He moved by faith. He moved in the promise of the Lord. Verse 4, down through 6. Do not think in your heart. After the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. This should be highlighted in our Bibles. Because, uh, but it is because of the wickedness of the nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess the land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out before you, that he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. 
Notice verse 4, do not think in your heart. We, we think a lot of crazy things in our hearts, don't we? I mean, there's stuff that goes on in our hearts, the heart and the head. It's basically closely related, almost one and the same. There's a lot of stuff we think in our hearts that we're like, man, I hope no one knows what I'm thinking right now. It's just the truth of the matter. There's things that go on in our minds that just like, thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood. And he says, don't start thinking in your heart. Don't start thinking when you go in and actually get the land that we're here because we're this righteous people in ourself. To, to, to righteousness means to be right with God because we have right standing. They didn't have righteousness. We have righteousness. We're a self-righteous group. That's why we have it. Let's thumb our nose at them and look down at them. He says, don't start thinking that in your heart. Boy, we better not start thinking that in our hearts. When people say, oh, those self-righteous Christians, that, that's an oxymoron. A true Christian is not self-righteous. They, they, they've actually, they're the exact opposite of that in that they've acknowledged, I am not righteous in myself. My righteousness is as filthy rags. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is my righteousness. His death and his resurrection. That's what makes me right with God. Him, through what he has done for me. So I kind of chuckle, all you self-righteous Christians. Nah, I'm not. Listen, if it's on me, if I can lose my salvation, I will. If I have to work my way to heaven, I won't be able to. It's in him and him alone. And listen, that's good news. That's the gospel. He says, don't, don't start thinking weird in your heart. And you see this. You see people, they start... They start getting weird with this. They start getting weird with their salvation and the means of salvation. And heard someone the other day saying, you know, if, the ra- if you're a Christian and the rapture comes, you know, if you're in sin, you're going to be left behind. And I just thought, man, if God holds you to that theology, we'll see in seven years, lady. I mean, you really want to say on that day, you know what? Yeah, it's Jesus has shed blood. Plus on that day, I'm going to be, you know what? Squeaky clean before the Lord. What if you have one of those thoughts we just talked about right before he comes, you know? And instead of nipping in the bud, you've been, you know, pondering it for a couple hours, kind of wrestling with it and so forth, kind of giving in and going out. Oh, I was left behind. That's weird. Listen, if you're in Christ Jesus, the rapture of the church, you're going. And for some of you, you're very excited about that. And there'll be some people like, ah. Oh. But if you're really born again, again, it's either God taking you, pulling the world's hands off you or pulling your hands off the world because it's the shed blood of Jesus Christ that's getting you into heaven and that alone. Amen. That alone. So don't start thinking in your heart, I'm righteous. And if you're thinking that tonight, that you have this righteousness outside of Christ, you better crucify that. Because you're entering into dangerous territory. You're entering into a false gospel. You're entering into, you know, a, 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 a satanic, a very satanic mindset that a lot of people think is, is holy or something when it's not. Again, we got to watch our hearts. So many warnings. Jeremiah 17, 9. 17.9, the hardest deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 20, or 4, 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Hebrews 3, 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. So it says, don't start thinking in your heart. It's because of our righteousness that we're in here. We got to remember that, that, again, our righteousness is as filthy rags. And uh, listen, if you do really know the Lord, you start thinking that way, he'll show you real quick that that's not the case. You ever been there before? <laughs> oh, yeah. He humbles us at times for our good. He says, you're going in there to bring a judgment upon them. Again, 500 years earlier, God had promised that land to Israel, and he mentions that here as well. We'll come back to that in a second. But he says the sin of the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all these guys, it hasn't been fully completed. But when it's fully completed, you're going to inherit that land. And part of the reason you're going to inherit it is because you're going to be an instrument of judgment against them. And we touch on this several, several times. Their sin was complete when they were no longer ashamed of it. You guys following this stuff on the Equality Act that's trying to get passed right now? I mean, did you ever think such a day would even come? It's utter, it is insanity. It, it is just utterly insane. And my question is, where are all the feminists? I have three daughters. I don't think it's fair that a boy puts on a wig and can go, and as the nation depends it, you know what? They're going to come out and compete in sports with you. Boys and girls are made different physically. We're going to talk about real science here. Where are the feminists at? Where do they go? They're not too bold, are they, when uh, it means going against satanic, or satanic plots and plans. Pray for our nation. Amen. That thing passed in the House. Every Democrat who voted for it, and even a few Republicans did. And some say, listen, that might get passed in the Senate even. Now, the president could repeal it, which I believe he would. But often what happens with these things is it's tried to push and it doesn't. But then, you know, four or five years later, they bring it back. They tweak it a little bit. And I don't, I don't put any stock in Washington, D.C. To, to bring a revival or be my savior or anything else. Most of that stuff only affects you if you let it. If you get all screwy with your mind and whatnot. But I do know this, we are called to be salt and light and occupy until he comes. Because we have a lot of blessings and benefits because several of our, you know, fathers and patriarchs and before us said, no, we're not going to do things that way. We're going to do it things right way. We're going to do things the biblical way. And we're beneficiaries of that. And, 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 and we don't know when the Lord's coming back. He might come tonight, might come next week, but... He, he might come in a hundred years. I don't know. And then what have all those guys just sat around? They didn't, you know what? So pray for our nation. Judgment came upon them. And again, it's because they had incurred it. They pushed the mercy of God away over and over and over and over again. And when you do that, you heap up more and more and more judgment. So he says, don't think it's because of your self-righteousness. You're going in there in part because of their sin. And as well, you're going in there that God can fulfill his word, which he swore to your fathers. 
It was through covenant, through faith. Abraham believed God when he left Ur of the Chaldeans. He says, I'm leaving. He was a prince there. He was filthy rich there. And he said, I'm leaving this. I'm leaving the gods of my fathers in Syria here on the other side of Jordan. I'm going to go to this foreign land because I believe the gospel. He got the gospel. Listen, when you take your son up and you're ready to kill them and you believe they'll be resurrected because you don't have a full understanding of who the Messiah is, you get the gospel. And so by faith, he believed. And he says, because of faith, that's why you're getting the land. And that's what makes us righteous because God did send his son to atone for our sins and resurrect. And our righteousness is by grace through faith in him. Verse seven, remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. So he says, when you start to get self-righteousness, you need to remember your sinful behavior. It's not to say that we're not forgiven in God. Yeah, we're a new creation old things have passed away but you can balance that out between this is who i am outside of the lord and these are the things that i've done god's given us the ability to think that way and he says you need to remember you need to remember what you were saved out of don't forget that when you start getting self-righteous now if you're the other end of that you're just saying i'm not righteous at all i don't you know and you're kicking yourself around that's when you need to remember, wait a minute, the shed blood of the lamb. But when you start getting self-righteous, you need to start remembering, listen, I'm a sinner like everybody else. Who am I really? God says every man is a liar. And I'm going to act like I'm self-righteous? When the Bible says you're a liar? So it's that balance in these things. Let's read 8 through verse 19. Also in Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry enough with you to have destroyed you. When I went to the mountain to receive the tablet of stone, the tablets of covenant, which the Lord made with you, then I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. That's a miracle. Then the Lord delivered me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God, and on them were all the words which the Lord had spoken to you on the mountains from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days and 40 nights, the Lord gave me two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, arise, go down quickly from here, for your people whom you brought out of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded image. Verse 13. Furthermore, the, the Lord spoke to me saying, I have seen this people, and indeed they are stiff-necked people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot, their, blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make you a nation mightier and greater than they. Verse 15, so I turned and came down the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire, and the two tablets of covenant were in my hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God, had made yourselves a molded calf, and you had, quick, had you had turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. Then I took the two tablets and threw them out of my hands and broke them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as at first 40 days and 40 nights I neither ate bread nor drink water because of all your sin which you committed in doing wickedly on the side of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure 
with which the Lord well, was angry with you to destroy you, but, I list, but the Lord listened to me at that time also. So he says, listen, when you start getting self-righteous, remember, I was up getting the commandment or the, the Ten Commandments, the covenant from God, and you quickly forgot. You go read the text, like he'd been up there a few days and like, hey, what happened to this Moses fellow? That's what they call him. What happened to that Moses? That's when people start distancing themselves. When they, when instead of saying, hey, Steve, you know, that's Steve. That fellow, you know, they started, you know, we got to distance ourselves first of all. Hey, what, how, what even happened to that guy? I, I don't know. I haven't seen him around. And then Aaron gets all their gold, shapes the golden calf, and the next thing, it's just like, you know, you see the Bible, the pictures, you know, the drawings in the Bible, and, you know, they're kind of like, you know, a pinata and like a glass of wine. Dude, this was a full-on debauchery. You got to understand. This was like full-on debauchery that broke out. And he says, you need to get down there. And God says, I was, I was going to destroy him. And people say, well, why did Moses change God's mind? No, the Lord allowed this to show that Moses was a type of Christ. You start thinking yourself, you're, you're righteous in yourself. God, God's going to destroy that. We need an intercessor. And Moses said, one like me would be raised up a prophet. Him, you'll listen. Moses is a type of Jesus Christ here. He interceded for them and Christ intercedes for us. Our righteousness is found in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Amen. Verse 20. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. Again, he saw the group and he saw individuals. Then I took your sin, the calf which you had made, and burned it with fire and crushed it and ground it into very small until it was fine as dust. And I threw its dust into the brook that descended from the mountain. So again, he interceded for them. He interceded for Aaron. Jesus has interceded for us. Jesus has interceded for you in Christ. And then there was a chastening that came. Their golden calf got grounded into, into powder. I, I think they had some technologies and things that we don't know about. I really do. And then they threw it in, into dust. And have you ever thought about this? Listen, there are metals. There are so many metals that have healing properties. And I've always thought in my mind, and I've, I've never looked into this. I know some people, they'll drink silver. There's different, you know, there's just different metals that are good for you. And I've always thought in my mind, perhaps the reason it was grinded down and thrown in and they drank it is that it had a healing property for what they had just participated in. That's how good our God is. Just the thought I might be wrong. I might just been, well, you're going to get some gold stuck in your teeth. I don't know. But a lot of times that's the case. When, when you go through and you find they did this and then, and then that thing that did was a, was a healing agent to what they had even just participated in. Verse 22 and 23. Um, also at Tabarath, at Masa, at uh, Kibroth, Hattavah, you provoked the Lord to wrath. He just starts naming places. They complained in those places. Likewise, when the Lord sent you to Kadesh, uh, Barnea saying go up and possess the land which I have given you then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God and you did not believe him nor honor or obey his voice when he said go into the into the promised land they didn't listen they didn't believe him so he says when you start thinking yourself righteous be true with yourself 
who you are outside of the Lord. Verse 24, and we'll finish here down to 29. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. <laughs> Moses, remember he was with him until he was 40, then he came back at 80. This generation, though, he pretty much knew him their whole life. Since the day I knew you, you know we come out of the womb rebellious? Oh, those innocent babies. They're, they're not innocent. They're born with the sin nature. I guarantee every, everyone in this room, like one of our first words was mine. <laughs> mine! <laughs> Praise God, they're covered by the grace of God until the age of accountability. Oh, I'm self-righteous. No, you've been rebellious since the day you've set foot on earth. He's not like other people. He's got a good heart. Yeah, be careful with that. Deceitfully wicked above all things. I got a good heart. That's, you being truthful? If there's anything good there, it's from God. So you want to take credit for that? Verse 25, thus I prostrated myself before the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. I kept prostrating myself because the Lord has said he would destroy you. Moses is a type of Christ. He's interceding for them. Praise God, we have a, we have a Savior who is sinless, who laid down his life and rose from the grave, and through him and him alone, we have righteousness with the Father. Therefore, I prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, do not destroy your people and your inheritance whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Re remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not look on the stubbornness of this people, on their wickedness or their sin. Lest the land from which you brought us should say, because the Lord was not able to bring them to the land which he promised them, and because he hated them, he has brought them out to kill them in the wilderness. Yet they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out by your mighty hand and by your outstretched arm. So again, he makes intercession for them. Hebrews 7.25 says Jesus lives to make intercession for us. He's making that right now. He's praying for us. The Bible says day and night, Satan accuses us before the Father. And I've said this before. He is a, he is a liar and can make things up, but he don't even need to do that to bring accusation. Moses ain't making any of this stuff up. And you know what Jesus does over and over again? He says, wait a minute. He says, Moses says to God, remember the covenant. Remember the covenant. And Jesus says, Satan's bringing accusation. He says to the Father, wait, there's a covenant. I shed my blood. There's a covenant. How do they overcome? By, by uh, um, not loving their life to death, the, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. What was the word of their testimony? It was faith in God, faith in Christ, making that intercession. And then he says, remember, uh, they are your people and your inheritance. And, and you know the night we're his inheritance that's pretty amazing. We talk about, oh, I'll have an inheritance in heaven. So will God, you. You're his inheritance. That's pretty awesome. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. We just thank you that you're good to us, God. And pray, God, that we'd be a people that remember your word. God, help us to uh, never fall into that lie of self-righteousness, but daily rejoice in Christ and who we are in him.
And tonight, if you haven't called on the Lord, listen, today's the day of salvation. And Jesus wants to wash you of your sin and be your Lord and Savior, make intercession for you. You just got to humble your heart and be real with him and call on him. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to be the Lord of your life because you want him to be the Lord of your life. Because you want to be freed from sin and you want to be saved from hell. But more than that, you want him to be your Lord. And he'll meet you where you are. Lord, bless the rest of our night. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.